The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives a feel good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high heel shoes, got her wings on too. You know I never seen a better stew. Oh, Betty and the Jets. Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. The music for this episode, I recorded a street performer in beautiful, beautiful Venice, Italy. That's one of my favorite places. Just like something beautiful around every corner. Uh, In this episode, we have stories about bad behavior, some smelly passengers, kids on the plane, ambient zombies and chainsaws. Let's get on with the show. I was commuting to work the other day, sitting on the jump seat. You know, it's the summer, the flights are all full, and uh, I always have my fingers crossed getting on the plane, hoping it's a nice person sitting on the back jump seat with me, because I'm really... I'm really inconveniencing them. Uh, I'm smushing them in. It's a tiny little plane. Um, there's no room back there anyway. And, you know, the bathrooms are back there. Anyway, I just always am hoping it's a nice person. And I'm commuting, commuting to work, and it was a really nice girl. And we actually got along famously. We just sat back in that back jump seat and told stories and laughed and laughed. It was actually uh, fun. <laughs> but she told me one that I hadn't heard before. This is from back in the day and a long time ago before we got ran drug and alcohol tested and back in the L-1011 days back when we had a that's the plane with the lower galley now obviously we were never supposed to drink at work but when before we were tested I heard stories we've all heard stories about people doing some stuff they weren't supposed to do I never saw it personally but I've heard stories so she said it was L-1011 and there was a brand new girl working the lower galley and this more senior girl you know rode the elevator down came down and said uh, to the junior girl, you know, I've had a really bad day. Went over, got a beer, opened it, and drank the beer. And the junior girl's just looking like, ooh, you know, we're, we're not supposed to do that, but she's junior. She wouldn't say anything. She just just stood there like wide-eyed as the more senior girl just drank a beer. Then went the elevator back up and, you know, worked the service. And so later on that same flight, here comes that same girl again, comes back down in the elevator, goes and gets a beer, says, I've had a really, really, really bad day, and drinks the beer. <laughs> the young girl, again, is just like, whoa! <laughs> you know? She's not supposed to be doing that. What is she doing? But didn't say anything because she's new. And that's sort of what you do when you're new. And so a couple years go by, 
And the more senior flight attendant uh, gets called in to meet her new supervisor. And she goes in and she immediately, as soon as she opens the door, it's the, it's the junior flight attendant who's now a supervisor, her supervisor. And they both lock eyes and they both know that that was the girl that was in the lower galley drinking a beer because it was a really, really bad day. So <laughs> they didn't say anything for a minute. And then the former junior flight attendant, who's now a supervisor, says to her, um, so have you had any bad days lately? And the girl said, nope, not a one. <laughs> we were uh, boarding just a nice little MD-88, everybody's favorite airplane. This gentleman comes up and he complains, he says, calls, rings his call button, I go over to talk to him, he says, pulls me to the side and he says, um, I'm here to complain. I'm so upset. He's like, every single time I fly on airlines, I have to sit next to a fat, smelly person. And I, <laughs> and I said, really? Every single time? Every single time I fly on this airline. I'm sick and tired of this. I said, okay, well, let me take care of this. Help see if I can help you with this, sir. Um, can I see your boarding card, please? And he says, gives it to me, shoves it, you know, looks in his pocket, brings out his boarding card. And uh, I looked at his boarding card and I said, oh, I see the problem right here. Do you see this F and your S in your boarding card number? He says, yes. He said, well, that's for fat and smelly. He's like, that's why you have. And he says, what? You're crazy. I said, well, it must be because every single flight you've taken, you've had a fat, smelly person beside you. Did he smile after that? Then he smiled and laughed. I thought you were going to say his wife was fat and smelly. That's why there was always somebody next to him. That's a good one. This was super cute. I like the kids on the plane. I, I, I have people say to me, oh, don't you hate the screaming babies? And, you know, I'm not sitting next to the screaming baby. And I am not sitting in front of a kid that's sitting in my seat when I'm working. Now, granted, that can be irritating when I'm a passenger. But in general, I like the kids. I like the babies. They're so cute. So uh, we had like a almost a whole plane full of kids going to London. There was like two groups of 50 going uh, for something, for school, summer summer trip, I don't know. But uh, there was just a lot of kids, and I'm on the beverage cart, and I, I get to this, like, he must have been 12, maybe 13, kind of hard to tell because he was very tall, skinny, lanky, you know, cute guy, boy. And I say, uh, would you like something to drink? And he said, I'll have a coffee. And I was like, oh, okay, would you like um, cream and sugar? And I was basically just asking, knowing that he was going to say yes, because basically everyone under 22 basically always has cream and sugar. You know, kids usually don't ever have black coffee. And he goes, um, no, I'll take it black. And I said, really? I said, you hardly ever see a, you know, a kid want black coffee. And he said, I'm trying to become a man. I thought that was the cutest answer I've ever heard. I'm trying to become a man. So sweet. Well, he said he was a pretty new flight attendant. Yeah. And he wanted somewhere to live in Queens, you know, yeah. where Kew Gardens, yeah. where all flight attendants live. So he found a place in this three-story apartment building, and the landlord was showing him around. And the landlord said, now don't use the dryer because it's broken. Okay. And he says, okay, I won't use the dryer. So then, you know, a few days later, he's getting ready for his trip, and he needs to dry his clothes. And he says, well, the reason the dryer is broken is because it's not plugged in. So he plugged in the dryer, dried his clothes, and went on his three-day trip. 
So three days later, he comes back from his trip, and you know they must be on some bus that yeah. from the airport, and the bus stops about three blocks short of the uh, the apartment building, and he says, "Why?" To the bus driver, "Why wouldn't you let me go all the way?" He goes, "Big fire, oh, <laughs> <laughs> apartment building burned down." And they started walking, and sure enough, it was his building. Yeah, his eyes are probably getting yeah. bigger and bigger. It's his friend. I know, but he was there. At least he had three days worth of dirty clothes. The other girls with him had just been on turnarounds, and they didn't have anything. Oh, all burnt down. He didn't tell anybody that he's the one that plugged it in. In the last episode, I was sort of complaining, not really complaining, about having to say everything three, four times. Like, uh, you want something to drink? Something to drink? Would you like something to drink? Would you like something to drink? Just because of uh, headsets. But this flight I was on, and I came up to a guy. I'm picking up trash. Got a trash cart. Got my gloves on. And uh, I say, would you like to get rid of anything? And he looked at me kind of funny, so I said rubbish because I say rubbish and so I think it sounds nicer than trash and the guy didn't have headphones on or anything and he goes uh, look at and I was like what it sounded like he said licking and I said would you like to get rid of anything rubbish and he goes chicken <laughs> I said well I don't have any chicken in this trash cart but we'll be serving meals next uh, chicken Yeah, this is a flight attendant. We're in Vegas, you know, exciting Vegas. And so we're at the hotel, and all of a sudden, my crew member gets a call from the front desk and said, uh, you need to come down here and help me with one of your crew members. And he goes, what's wrong? Just come down. I need your assistance. So my crew member goes down there, and there is our other crew member in his underwear <laughs> yelling at the front desk saying, I need a new room. Someone's peed on my bed. I need a new bed. Him. Yeah, of he was in, he was in an ambient coma, so they said, "Well, here's his new room." So my other crew went up, took the crew member up in his underwear, got his bags and transferred him to a new room, tucked him in bed. He woke up the next morning. He's like, "Where am I? And where's my? How am I in my room?" And so that's the yeah, story. Ambient zombie. Ambient zombie. Yeah. You know, I'm always telling stories about passengers doing crazy things while on ambient on the plane, but sometimes it's the flight attendants. And this flight attendant was telling me the story where uh, there was a Lima trip and uh, they were picking up, you know, they kind of pick up in the evening uh, to go to work at the hotel and they're all there in their uniforms and the one girl isn't showing up. And then finally they see her. She comes out of the elevator in a shower cap and pajamas. And they're all just sitting there looking at her like, oh, what the heck? And then the, the girl in the shower cap comes up and says, uh, where are you guys going? And they're like, more importantly, where do you think you're going like that? <laughs> so she didn't uh, work the flight. Uh, she had taken Ambien and I don't know. They didn't know if uh, she's been fired yet or not. But, you know, you know, flight attendants do dumb Ambien zombie things, too. Yeah, I'm coming down the aisle, and there's a row of three. There's like a seven-year-old son at the window, and then the mother in the middle seat, and a little four-year-old girl at the aisle seat. And so I go, may I get you some beverages here? And the mother goes, my daughter here in the aisle, she'll have a coffee. My head spun off my head. And I, you know, I looked at her, and I said, a coffee? And she goes, looking at me like I had three heads, well, of course a coffee. 
And I said, oh, and a Heineken for the boy at the window? <laughs> she seven didn't think, year old. Yeah, seven-year-old at the window. Yeah, she didn't think that was very funny. I'd like to thank any of you who, when you were going to buy something on Amazon, you went to my website first, BettyInTheSky.com. Click through. It doesn't cost you any more. It supports the show. A lot of people do email me saying uh, the links don't work, but it's usually just the fact that you have your ad blocker on. Uh, but if you if you do want to support the show and you do want to click through my website, I'd love it. Uh, I like to see what people buy. And in this past month, somebody bought some... Tyrona flip-flops, some Lego rainforest animals, and a squatty potty. <laughs> so once again, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, please think to consider going through my website, bettingthesky.com. It supports the show, and I thank you so very, very much. It's before dawn, and Betty Nash is making a walk she has made for 59 years. Oh, I better hold my stomach in. <laughs> a walk through the airport terminal with her usual sense of humor. Oh, but you have to take the old age with everything. That's the problem. I'm 80. Yep, you heard that right. Betty Nash is 80 years young. And then I say, oh no, it's a plaster of Paris. <laughs> when she began working as a flight attendant in 1957, Eisenhower was president. The S&P was newly created, and gas was 24 cents a gallon. And the pilots come and go and retire, and I keep staying here the whole time. For Betty, becoming a flight attendant was love at first sight. It was in 1952, and I was 16, and my mother and I were sitting on the couch waiting for our flight to Dayton, Ohio, on TWA. And then up the steps came this crew, I guess it was... A flight attendant and a pilot and two pilots. And I said, that is for me. That's the job for me. At age 21, she went to work for Eastern Airlines. And this is me in the first uniform. What happened to all these women? Do you Beats me. They're all <laughs> I think some of them are dead. You know, at my age, it's people are dead. Tablet reading. I would come to the airport to find out my flight. I would have to look at a, a chalkboard, and they would chalk up all the morning flights, then they'd erase it and put up all the afternoon flights. And we used to walk down the runway. I mean, you couldn't imagine it today. We'd walk down the side and cross over there, okay, no planes coming, just like no cars coming, okay, no planes coming, and we'd walk across the runway to operations. To present our image of glamour was we had to wear the white gloves all the time. I mean, we had the hats on. You had to wear the hat during flight. I mean, who ever heard of serving a meal to someone in your house with a hat on? You know, it was more formal. I mean, I remember uh, Jacqueline Kennedy came on one day and said, is this plane going? You know how her voice went, is this plane going to Washington? And I turned around and there was Jackie Kennedy right there. And I remember having on the white gloves and, a, and an armful of magazines. And I said, oh, yes, you know. The travail has been taken out of travel. Well, I went through with Marlboros and Winstons and matches on the tray. Would you care for a cigarette? Free. They were free, you know, little packs of cigarettes. I did a, a five-card service, like when we went to uh, Mexico City or there were a couple play into the West Coast. And we would have to take these cards out and send them up. And we'd have roast beef that we'd carve. Then we'd have these, you know, cakes that were that we you know cut pieces in front of people then we had cordials and all that kind of stuff that we served you know silver you know poured stuff out of silver coffee pots and all that kind of stuff 
fly with the people of Eastern. See how much better an airline can be. She has flown for the same company her whole career. After Trump Airlines bought part of Eastern, then U.S. Airways bought the Trump shuttle, she continued to fly when U.S. Airways merged with American. Hi, I love your coat. So, after more than half a century, why does she still work? Being here is just my social life. That's what I say, you know, to people. Let me help you out. Today, Betty is a celebrity of sorts taking selfies, signing autographs, and accepting gifts and notes. Betty Nash has been employed in the airline flight attendants for 58 years now. Thank you. How long will you fly? I don't know. You know, your health is everything. If you have good health, and at 80, <laughs> you don't know what's next for you. But anyway, this is how I am. And how she is, is grand. Holly Furfer, CNN, Washington. This next story might be slightly controversial. I do get a lot of pushback on controversial things lately. But I'm going to tell it. And uh, as a disclaimer, it wasn't me. Okay, I didn't do it. I heard the story and... uh, I, in the last episode, I told the story how I had been working first class. Uh, I hadn't been working in the coach cabin. So I was in the back alley just sitting, talking for a few moments. And a girl came back and she had like double D's. And uh, she had some questions about the uh, customs form. And she said, uh, what does uh, this mean? And she pointed to the word occupation. And I said, uh, well, what do you do for a living? And she said, well, I don't have a job. And I said, oh, well, um, right, unemployed. I mean, I just thought she wasn't very bright, you know. Um, and then she had a couple more questions. And then I realized, oh, she's the unaccompanied minor. So here I was calling her like a slacker because she didn't have a job. But in fact, she was a child. But, you know, she really, she looked like she was like 23. So... <laughs> So I felt bad that I was basically calling a child a slacker, you know, right unemployed. So I was telling this story to someone in the back alley, a guy, and he said, oh, well, I can do you one better than that. He said, well, I had been working first class, so, you know, I hadn't seen the unaccompanied minors. You know, it's a big plane. There's a lot of us, and the people who are working in that section know who they're unaccompanied. He said, uh, well, I had gone back. I've been working first class, and then uh, for the last service, they had asked me to go back there because... It was full back there, and it wasn't full in first class. So he went back there, and he said uh, they finished the service. And uh, one of the other flight attendants just happened to mention, she said, boy, you know, that unaccompanied minor, you know, he's got a full beard. You know, he doesn't look like a kid at all. And then this guy goes, oh, which one is he? And they point him out, and he goes, I served him a beer. You didn't know he was a kid. He didn't look, you know, he looked like he was in, you know, 24. He had a full beard. And, um, you know, the kid probably thought it was the best flight ever. You know, he pulled off having an adult thinking he was an adult and he got a beer. But uh, the flight attendant was, you know, aghast that he had given a kid a beer. <laughs> I, was I just traveling, like to say that. Okay. I was traveling by train from Berlin to Nuremberg. And I had to change trains. It was a Friday afternoon in Scottingham 
which is a small town about two hours from Berlin. So uh, it was a very crowded train. It was a Friday afternoon. And uh, so we finally got to Göttingen. And I kind of grabbed all my belongings to, to get off the train. I got off the train. I was on the same platform as the other train. And just after I got off the train, I realized I had left my sport coat on the train. So I jumped back on the train to get my sport coat, grabbed it off the hook, went back to the door as the doors were closing. Your bag's no big out deal. there? I went to, my bag was out there. I went to press the button to open the door. The door wouldn't open because it already locked. So I asked the conductor to please open the door. Of course, in Germany, we cannot open the door as the train started pulling away with my bag sitting on the platform. But you have your sport coat. (laughs) I have a sport coat, but I don't have a passport. Yeah, everything. An iPad, a computer, a suit, a change of clothes, a pair of underwear, everything. So I was pretty stressed out. Uh, I'll tell the story nicely. I was quite upset with the conductor. Right. He said, oh, you need to go see the train manager who's that way. So uh, I proceeded to run through the train, jumping over people, children, to get to the train manager. So I get to the... And now is the train going fast at this point? At this point, the train is going 250 miles an hour. And... uh, and your I'm, bag's just sitting and there. I'm thinking about each item that I've left yeah. in my bag. I mean, so I get to the, 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 the restaurant car and I said, where is the train manager? And they point to a little door and the little door opens and there's a little man, train manager, typing on his little computer. And I ask him, tell him my story urgently, to which he explains to me that he does not speak English. Oh useful. So as I look through the little door, a person, uh, another conductor passes by and I ask her, do you speak any English? She says a little bit. So she's now my, my translator. So she explains to him the situation. He then asked me for my ticket. Which is in your bag? Actually it was on my phone. Oh. So it was good. So, okay. so I showed it to my phone. The bad part is his most important function was he wanted to make sure that I paid for, for, the addition, for the additional part of my train ticket, which I thought was a little... Yeah, that's a little... That's, a little, that's very German. Yes, insult to injury. Yeah. So anyway, I'm like, fine, here's the credit card, but I need you to start finding my bag. Go to the next station about 45 minutes away. After, of course, I paid my 29 euro for right. my train ticket bag. But weren't you worried also someone was going to steal it? I was. I went back. And they eventually, after some interrogation, even my bag, my bag bag, and, uh, and everything worked out. Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. It was. It was good. Wow, we had an interesting story recently. At least it was to me. It was uh, my first catheter installation. I didn't do it personally, thank God. Thank God. But. Uh, we have to have a step-by-step. Step one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Instructions. <laughs> Instructions. It was um, on a flight from, I believe, Amsterdam to Atlanta. And it was uh, about an 80-year-old, sweet little 80-year-old uh, Indian gentleman. And he kept walking around the cabin, walking around the cabin, going, i, I got to go to the bathroom. I can't go. I'm tr- keep trying to go to the bathroom. I can't go. So they tell the crew. The crew calls. And they say, well, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to install a catheter. 
need to install the catheter. This has been like five hours. So um, we, I, you know, page for a doctor because that's, of course, right. the first thing you're going to do. And shockingly, normally on a flight, you have several doctors right. that volunteer. Yeah. Several. Thank goodness. And especially, this is a, an Airbus right. 330. You, you think you have a lot of people. Yeah. There's got to be some. Well, the only volunteer we have, we did have a volunteer, and it was a, a, a woman doctor who had already had a bottle of wine, and she's just like, you know, has her hands up, flailing, I'll volunteer, sure, I'll do it. But she's the only choice we have. Yeah, no other choices. Just a little tipsy. Just a little tipsy, exactly. No other choices. So, you know, she could make, we're like, you know, hold it together, please, Doc, long enough to get yeah. this thing done. So, I, I think, I'm not really sure, but I think a normal catheter installation only takes, what, about 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes? I don't know. I'm not sure why this one took an hour and a half. <laughs> I was working first class and you guys have seen the first class pods and you know they go they go into a bed and on this particular plane they go forward into a bed so there was a guy in first class he was a little older and um he called me over i think he rang his call bell and i went over and he said uh how do i put this back and he's pointing to the back of the seat that's stationary that's plastic that's thick and hard and heavy. And I'm like, well, that doesn't go back. Your seat goes forward, which makes your seat go back. And he said, no, 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 I want this part to go back. And so then I thought, well, I'll just show him because, you know, it's, you know, it's not common for a lot of people or they're not used to it. So, you know, I totally understand. I'm like, here, I'll show you. See, and I push a little thing and his seat goes forward, which makes his back of his seat go back. And he's like, no, 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 I want this part, this part to go back. And I'm like, well, I'm going to need a chainsaw. <laughs> That's the only way I'm going to get that part to go back. So, yeah, so I'm on this, uh, on this flight from Atlanta to Costa Rica. And this gentleman, everybody's boarding. This gentleman gets on very early and he's sitting right in front of my jump seat. And he um, immediately starts telling me how he's bought his duty-free alcohol. That was liquor, big, you know, vodka bottle. He's like, can I get it down? I want to start drinking my liquor. I said, I'm sorry, sir. Start drinking it. Start drinking it from the duty-free. I said, I'm sorry, sir, you can't do that. And um, he's like, keeps trying to kind of sweet talk me, thinking he's going to sweet talk me into getting down his uh, duty-free liquor. And I said, no, you can't do that. I said, but I'll tell you what, tell me what you drink. What, What is your drink of choice? And I will get one for you as soon as we get take off soon as we get started and he said scotch or whatever so as soon as we uh, push back being what I think is super sweet I thought just to, I can tell this guy's about to go into you know withdrawals right. so let me just to make him feel safe let me go ahead and give him right. too many bottles to have with them so he'll feel safe and then when we get up I will get the ice and the coke or whatever to go with it so I give him these little mini bottles again being very sweet and naive and we push back, and what happens? Right in front of me, this guy opens up the mini bottles and starts to just chugging them, yeah. you know, like right in front of me. I'm like, who does that? That's, that's just bizarre. It's like, if I had known that was going to happen, I would never have gone in these things. Anyhow, <clears throat> it goes on from there, and he's in charge of this big fishing trip with these other guys. The other guys are really nice. He, of course, is a rather good-looking guy, but he's in charge, but he's a total arrogant jerk. And... Uh, he is kind of, you know, flirty for the, for the flight, and then 
he and of course he has a ring on the entire time. Oh. Of course, typical. And he then comes up to me and he gives me a note, passes me a note. And I'm like, okay, this is good. Can't wait to see what this is going to say. And he says on there, you know, please put down your phone number. I'd love to see you and, and wherever sometime. Of course, again, I'm thinking, what a total asshole. I'm thinking, you know, even if you weren't, yeah, I mean, he's just a jerk. So, even if you weren't married, I still wouldn't want to ride with you. And, and so I wrote back. Right, exactly. So, anyway, I write uh, on the note, the thing I write on the note is it said, thank you for the offer, but I don't think you, uh, my boyfriend or your wife would appreciate that. <laughs> and I hand it back to him. And he gets up, he reads it, and he gets up, he laughs, chuckles for a minute, and then he's like, gets up, corners me in the galley, and he says, do you know who I am? He's like, I have never been turned down, ever. I can't believe you're turning me down. Really? Yes. So do I was you like, know who I am? And I'm like, I don't know, and I don't even care. And, uh, and he's like, I have never been turned down, ever. And I'm thinking, now you're just a liar. <laughs> because everybody's been turned down. We know that. So, uh, but he continues to keep cornering me. Everybody else is even kind of noticing it, thinking it's kind of weird. And so we get him to calm down. Now you're a challenge. I guess so. I don't know. But anyway, I told him, I was thinking, really, what you want, you can get for about $60 in Costa Rica. <laughs> I was like, you're almost there. Just wait an hour. I'm getting a lot better at uh, keeping my mouth shut. There's just lots of times I want to say something or want to ask something, and I'm learning, thank goodness, <laughs> that maybe sometimes you need to just uh, zip it. I was talking to this really handsome guy, and uh, he was kind of swarthy, you know, kind of dark, brooding type, uh, low voice. And I noticed that he's missing part of a finger. And my inclination was to say, oh, what happened to your finger? And uh, as he was talking, I mentally thought, you know, it's never a good day. You know, <laughs> there's never a good story of how, you know, it's never positive the way you lost your finger. So I thought, you know, I think I'll just keep that to myself. <laughs> and then I was on a layover in Madrid and we stay at this hotel in Madrid. And I really like that they have this spa the hotel that we can use for free. And it has a bunch of jacuzzis and saunas. And it's really nice. It's a treat. I'll tell you when I'm in that, that pool, because you can swim laps, and then you go sit in the jacuzzi. I feel like, oh, I like my job. I like my job. I like my job. <laughs> but I was in <laughs> the spa. And it was, uh, it was like a Saturday night. So there were maybe four people in there. And there was a guy, straight guy, well-built, and he he was sort of leaning over the side of a jacuzzi and kind of floating. So he's got his arms folded, uh, hand in his head in his hands, and uh, it, you know his the rest of him is floating. And what I'm sure he didn't realize is that his uh, gym shorts, his swimming shorts, uh, were sort of blown up like a balloon from the. <laughs> from the bubbles of the jacuzzi and so he he was sort of looking like he was presenting like <laughs> this like bubble butt in the air which is a balloon and I thought I wonder if I should say hey hey you know that your your uh swim trunks are blown up like a bubble butt balloon and I thought no 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 let's just keep that to myself 
Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.